This morning we look at Jesus the Good Shepherd from John chapter 10 verses 11 to 21. Last week we started on chapter 10 and and looked at Jesus' declaration, I am the door or I am the gate. And this morning we look at the other of his powerful I am declarations. I am the Good Shepherd from verse 11. Now this takes us back to the Old Testament where the Lord is described as a shepherd. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And also the words of the great prophet regarding the Messiah from Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11 says this, He will feed his flock like a shepherd, he will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. So when Jesus declared that he is the good shepherd, some bells would have started ringing in, the, in his listeners, and some of the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, those who were, many of whom were already antagonistic toward him. He was, after all, revealing something very special, another aspect, of his character. Jesus goes further than last week, he is the door, he goes further now by declaring himself not just a shepherd, but a good shepherd. A good shepherd. Now I need need you to see a little bit underneath the, the, the covers here about what it means, the significance of what it means to be a good shepherd. William Barclay said, sometimes in a village or town people speak of the good doctor. When they speak of him, that way they are not thinking only of his efficiency and skills as a medical practitioner, they are thinking of his sympathy, his kindness, the the genuine heartwarming care he has for his patients, which makes him not just a doctor, not just their doctor, but their friend. Now, the usual word for good in the New Testament is agathos, which describes more of a moral quality, as in a good person. When we say someone is a good person, we usually refer to their moral character, their behaviour. Now, Jesus certainly was good in that sense and more. He was, he was perfect. But here the word used is not agathos, but it is instead kalos. And that means not merely that a person is good, but in his goodness he is beautiful. It denotes a quality of, of winsomeness, of, of loveliness, of, of beauty. In other words, I am the shepherd beautiful. I am the beautiful shepherd. There is, there is more than faithfulness in him. There is more than virtue in him. There is more than truth in him. There is also a beauty in him. So we could say, Jesus, the beautiful shepherd. 
What is it that we can see in this passage? What is the lesson for us? Well, sheep need a good shepherd. Sheep need a good shepherd from verses 12 to 13. Jesus said, The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now in these verses, it is quite obvious that the the sheep need a shepherd who is committed to their welfare. I think we are, are drawn to this particular I am declaration of Jesus because each of us instinctively knows how desperately we need a shepherd. Jesus knows this. In Isaiah chapter 53, those beautiful words, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And then it leads into the servant who gave his life. And when he saw the crowds, in Matthew 9.36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like, like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. Now, deep down inside, we realise that we require guidance. We require, we require leadership, also known as shepherding, to make our way down the roads of life. Think about it. How many times in the past week have you approached someone and maybe asked for their opinion on a decision that you you're facing a decision you need to make. Everything from something as trivial as what to wear or where to eat or how to handle a particular problem, homework, to something along the lines of how to handle a marital crisis or how to, what to do with a troublesome child. All people need guidance constantly. It never ends. You think that you get to a certain age and you've worked life out, don't you? No. You think that your kids reach a certain age and, yeah, they're mature now. No. Doesn't happen. They get married. Issues continue, then the grandkids will come and the issues start all over again. All of us need guidance. All of us need that, that push, that, that care constantly. If we need guidance, think about the people outside who do not have the Lord as their shepherd, who do not recognise him as their shepherd. Who do they go to? Well, they got Dr. Phil. They got horoscopes. 
They got hot psychics. They've got all the radio shows. We do all this because deep down inside we need guidance. What are our similarities to sheep in this regard? Why do we need a good shepherd? Well, firstly, sheep are not the smartest of animals. No insult. Ask yourself, have you ever seen a group of trained sheep in a circus performing all these different tricks, jumping through the hoops? They're just not physically able. It's not just their physical attributes, but also the the stuff between their ears. Uh, You've seen trained apes, you've seen trained mice or rats or elephants, but no sheep. And you probably never will because sheep are just... Simple-minded. Secondly, sheep are dirty and wayward. Real sheep, the ones that we have in our colouring books, they're all pretty clean. The ones that you see in the movie, they've all been had a spray job on them and buffed up. They look pretty clean, aren't they? Fluffy balls of white wool. They're the ones that are in your photos. But you look at the sheep out out on the farm, they can't keep themselves clean. They smell bad. They tend to wander off easy because they can't see very far past their nose. If it was my nose, you could see pretty far. And no matter how many times you you bring a wadewood sheep back they forget all about it and they're prone to wander off again they can't learn from their mistakes who does that remind you of and thirdly sheep are defenseless and dependent you look at their teeth structure and, and that their, their teeth are for eating grass. They don't have much of a, a bite like dogs or other animals. No, they have no natural defence. They have no poison. They have no sting, no claws, no horn. Well, the rams have, have horns, but no fangs. To make matters worse, they tend to be top-heavy, especially when they have a lot of wool on them. You've seen that, you know, you stick their hand in, there's still wool and so they tend to be, you know, tumble. They're not very flexible out in the paddock. Makes them slow, especially when it gets wet. And they're susceptible to all these kinds of diseases, especially when they eat too much. They're going to get sick. They need care. Now, God doesn't compare us to sheep to put us down, because, but because he wants to tell us something about what we need. He wants us to know that we are designed in a way that we need care. We need to recognise that. <clears throat> we need guidance. We need protection. 
as David wrote in the 23rd Psalm, we need someone to lead us on the paths of righteousness, in, in, the, in the paths that are right when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We need a shepherd with a rod and a staff to guide us and protect us and sometimes to pull us back into line. Max Lucado, many of you would know, is a Christian author and and pastor. Max Lucado makes an interesting comparison between cowboys and shepherds in his book, The Compassionate Saviour. And he says, and I quote, he says, Behold the hero of the American West, the cowboy. Behold the hero of the Bible, the shepherd. On the surface, he appears similar to the cowboy. He too is rugged. He sleeps where the jackals howl and howls and, and works where the wolves prowl. Never off duty, always alert. Like the cowboy, he makes his roof, the stars and the pasture his home. But that is where the similarities end. You see, the shepherd loves his sheep. It's not that the cowboy doesn't appreciate the cow, it's just that he doesn't know the animal. He doesn't even want to. Have you ever seen a picture of a cowboy caressing a cow? Have you ever seen a shepherd with his arms around a sheep? Sure. Well, why the difference? Well, it's simple. The cowboy leads the cow to slaughter. The shepherd leads the sheep to be shorn. The cowboy wants the meat of the cow. The shepherd wants the wool of the sheep. And so they treat the animals very differently. The cowboy drives the cattle. The shepherd leads the sheep. The herd of the cattle has a dozen cowboys. A flock has one shepherd. The cowboy wrestles brands, herds and ropes. The shepherd leads, guides, feeds and anoints. The cowboy knows the names of the trail hands. The shepherd knows the names of the sheep. The cowboy whoops and hollers at the cows. The shepherd calls each sheep by name. Aren't we glad that Christ didn't call himself the good cowboy? isn't it? Verse 14, the shepherd knows the sheep. I know my sheep. That's the first part of verse 14. Now in those, in those times sheep were not for the most part bred for killing but they were bred for shearing. Now obviously the, as part of the temple sacrifices some of the lambs were slaughtered but mostly they were, they were bred for shearing, for the wool. It is therefore no accident that Jesus spoke about a shepherd who left the 99 in order, in order to look for the lost one. For you see, a hundred sheep was about as large a flock as you would have in those days. You wouldn't get much bigger than a hundred. So we can see that there there was this this growing relationship between the shepherd who knew his sheep 
even from the time when they were little lambs. He developed a language in which he communicated with them. He gave them names and got to know their characters. Which uh, brings me to, uh, to a story. Any similarity to real life is purely coincidence. And there was a shepherd who was looking after his sheep one day on the side of a deserted road when suddenly a brand new Porsche screeches to a halt. The driver, a man dressed in his Armani suit, Rolex wristwatch and a Pierre Cardin tie, gets out and asks the shepherd, if I can tell you how many sheep you have, will you give me one of them? And the shepherd looks at the young man and then looks at the large flock of grazing sheep and replies, okay. The young man parks his car, connects his laptop to his mobile, enters a, a NASA, goes into a NASA webpage, scans the ground using his GPS, opens a database with logarithms and tables and then prints out a 150-page report on his high-tech mini printer. He turns to the shepherd and says, you have exactly 1,586 sheep here. And rather surprised, the shepherd replies, that's correct, you can have your sheep. The young man takes an animal and puts it in the back of his Porsche and just as he's about to drive off, the shepherd asks him, if I guess your profession, will you return my animal to me? And the young man answers, yes, why not? And the shepherd says, well, you are an IT consultant. How did you know? asked the young man. Uh, very simple, answers the shepherd. Firstly, you came here without being called. Secondly, you charged me a fee to tell me something I already knew. And thirdly, you don't understand anything about my business. Now, please, can I have my dog back? Farmers tend to have a bit of a giggle when they see city slickers turn up to the front yard sometimes and uh, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been lived in a farm or, or you indeed visited some of these places. City folk might struggle to know the difference between a dog and a sheep but not our Lord. Not our Lord. Our Lord is the good shepherd. He knows us. Oh, so well. I suppose we can all say with another shepherd called David. In Psalm 139 he said, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. 
for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And just some excerpts there from Psalm 139, one of the most beautiful psalms about the beautiful life. (laughs) No, that's right. That's okay. Now, as God in the flesh, Jesus knows everything about us. From the spiritual to the physical, he knows everything. The wonder of someone knowing even before we're about to speak something. The beauty of someone knitting us together in our mother's womb. At conception, not at birth. Think about the implications of that. He knows us so well and he still loves us. That's profound, isn't it? He knows us better than we know ourselves. He is the good shepherd. And verse 14 is the other part. Part B of verse 14 is that the the sheep know the shepherd, the sheep know the shepherd. There are implications about this. They may not be too bright, but they have enough grey matter up there to, to recognise their, their true shepherd and who he is. And when he calls, they will follow. We, we spoke about this last week on how shepherds, Prove their ownership in, in Jesus' day when there was a communal pen and everybody had their sheep together and the shepherd would come and collect his own sheep in the morning and how would they differentiate it when they weren't wearing T-shirts or anything else? He would call them by name and they would follow his voice. Each shepherd had his own distinctive call and sheep would only respond to that call. Apparently this is a true story. An Aussie farmer was arrested and charged with stealing a sheep. But he claimed emphatically that it was one of his own and that, and that, that particular sheep had been missing for many days. And when the case went to court, the judge was puzzled, not knowing how to decide on the matter. At last he asked that the sheep be brought into the courtroom. And then he ordered the plaintiff to step outside and call the animal. And the sheep made no response except to raise its head and look a little bit frightened. The judge then instructed the defendant to go to the courtyard and call the sheep. And when the accused man began to make his distinctive call, the sheep bounded toward the door. It was obvious that he recognised the familiar voice of his master. As sheep of his pastures, 
that tend to go astray every now and then. We should be able to recognise the Master's voice. We should be able to recognise Jesus' voice. It's a unique call. It is the unique call of our Creator and Redeemer. You see, when we become Christians, God gives us a sort of a a caller ID that, that enables us to distinguish his voice from that of the enemy. And the way that we, we know one voice from the other is that we get to know the more time we spend with our master, the more time we spend with our shepherd, the more we will grow familiar with his voice and it will become easily recognisable. It is through prayer. It is through Bible study. It is it is in times when we come together that the truth becomes part of us and, and his voice is in us. We recognise it for what it is. And the wonderful thing is when he gives us instructions, we know what he's telling us. The sad thing is that there are many sheep out there listening to other voices or make-believe shepherds or those who are not true shepherds and the sheep follow them like some Pied Piper. Plays the tunes, tickles their ears and away they go. Why is it? Well, because the sheep have not spent enough time with the shepherd. It's all there. Open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart. You will recognise his voice. You will recognise the truth. And this is the truth that will set you free. The other stuff will enslave you. The sheep recognise his voice. And why is this shepherd so special, so different to all the others, to all the other wannabe shepherds? Because this good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Verses 15 to 18. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the second time he's mentioning the fact that he's laying down his life for his sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. There's a beautiful verse, a beautiful promise here that it's become a reality. When Jesus says, to other sheep, other sheep. His original sheep was Israel. The other sheep 
are the Gentiles, those outside of Israel. And the Gentiles, the gospel will go to the nations. It will spread like wildfire throughout the world. And these sheep will be part of the one flock. These, these Gentiles believers, like you and me, my brother and sister, will also hear his voice and, and will follow him and eventually there will be just one flock, one shepherd. And all of us together, as Revelation tells us, all of us worshipping the lamb that was slain from all tribes and nations, all tribes and nations, these are the sheep that are not that weren't part of his flock then, but are now part of his flock. Praise be to God that we are the other sheep that are now part of his pen. And this shepherd is so committed to his sheep that he's willing to lay down his life for them. Maybe in Jesus' day, there were already stories about uh, shepherds dying in the process of attempting to protect their flocks not only from wolves and lions but as we saw last week those thieves who jumped over the fence to steal and kill and destroy and as Jesus said a hired hand doesn't have the commitment he doesn't have the the interest he's only interested in in his you know in his pay whatever he's going to get, get paid that day that's as long as his commitment went but a true shepherd the owner of the sheep would risk his life and limb and because he loved the sheep they belonged to him and he knew and loved them from birth that's exactly what jesus has done Our Creator, our Redeemer, laid down His life to protect us from sin, from death, to deliver us. And what is more, and this is where the metaphors in the Bible change, the Good Shepherd, the Good Shepherd became the Lamb. The Good Shepherd became the sacrificial Lamb who died for the sins of of all mankind. They pulled off his robe, they flogged him, put him on a cross and the lamb was slain for the sins of the world. A very special shepherd. Let me leave you with this story. And we change from... uh, from shepherds, we go back to cowboys. In South America, there are, in, in Paraguay, in Brazil, uh, in northern Argentina, Bolivia, uh, there are many piranha-infested rivers. Just about every, every river out there has got piranhas in them. You know what piranhas are, right? If you don't have... Sharks, you've got piranhas, right? So sharks in Australia and piranhas in South America. Now, in early days when cowboys had to drive their cows across these rivers, 
they would protect the herd by taking one cow upstream a few hundred yards and there they would slaughter this cow and throw it into the river. The piranha, smelling the blood, sensing the blood, they would attack the dead cow and they were distracted, they were driven from that spot so the rest of the herd could cross safely downstream to the river. Well, this is an example, isn't it, of what Jesus has done for you and me. Except for one thing. No one took his life from him. He gave it. He laid it down of his own accord. He willingly died to take the brunt, the penalty of death for you and me. The shepherd who sacrificed himself for his sheep. What a good shepherd we have. What a beautiful, wonderful, amazing shepherd he is. Praise be to God. Amen.